Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we're starting our top 20 list as we do every summer. Uh, this list will run all the way through July and we will be starting with our centers today as the episode's titled. But uh, before we get into that, there was a big trade that we got to talk about and a few signings. One signing that goes right with the trade. Uh, and unfortunately for me, it is the Ottawa Senators trading away Alex Dabrinkit to the Detroit Red Wings, who then immediately signed Dabrinkit to a four-year deal, $7.875 or $31.5 million in total. Uh, and then back the other way, the Ottawa Senators get a first-round pick in 2024, Dominic Kubalik, Donovan Sobrango and a 2024 fourth round pick. Uh, the condition on the first round pick is that uh, it is the Detroit gets to choose between their own and Boston's. They own Boston's in 2024. So it's obviously going to be the worst uh, in the event that uh, they're both top 10 protected or Boston can retain if it's top 10 protected and transfer a 2025 first round instead. Detroit will then have the option of sending Boston's 2025 unprotected or their own 2024 first to Ottawa. So probably a mid-round, maybe late, but probably about a mid-first. Uh, Sobrango, Jace, you'll obviously have, uh, I'm assuming, a little bit to say on him. From everything I've understood is it's a kind of very low ceiling, maybe a bit of a higher floor prospect where, if he's in the NHL, it's going to be a third pair guy. And then Dominic Kubalik is a, a middle six guy kind of who is one year away from free agency. I've got to be honest as a Sens fan, this was a really disappointing return. Um, I get they were put in a bad spot, but uh, like to me, you could have got this deal at the deadline and I would have rather them wait to see if they could have boosted his value. If this is all they were going to get. This was a tough return. Like, Obviously, it looks bad compared to like what they just gave up. But I mean, this is this is bad in a vacuum too. Yeah, I mean, like they gave right? up a first, first, second, and third, which again, like I'll still defend that deal to to this day. Like I, I think they they still made. I've seen a lot of revisions history of people be like Ottawa's idiots for making that deal originally. It's like, well, no, like they got a guy who just scored forty goals for the seventh overall pick and then a second and a third and he's 24. Like you need to swing to make your team better sometimes. Now it didn't work, but this is a whole separate issue. And yes, this is bad even in a vacuum. Yeah. Like it's just not, I agree with you. Like the trade itself, I thought it was smart at the time. Part of that was assuming that they would get a deal done, which I mean, obviously they didn't, but like, it was a fair enough bet. At worst, it was a fine bet. And then they kind of just got outcomed more than anything. Like the trade itself was bad, but like the fact that he wanted to walk away, it was going to be a bad outcome almost no matter what the trade was. Yeah, I guess the only way you could look at the original trade negatively from Ottawa is if Dabrinkit told them at the time of the trade, I don't really have plans signing long term. Because, you know, if that's the case, you go, oh, well, we'll convince them by having one good year. You're putting, they put way too much faith in last year, you know? And, and maybe that was the case. And in which case, I, I do think it's a lot less reasonable. That being said, I'm still shocked the marketplace was still this poor. Um, and I don't think, like, I, again, to me, I blame Dorian for making this trade in terms of I would have, I, I get you don't want it to be a distraction, quote unquote, or whatever, but like, 
you had no rush to make this deal and getting Kubalik, who fine player makes $2.5 million, but he's 27 about to be a UFA and is the exact type of guy that gets overpaid in UFA. So I don't know. Like if they can sign Tarasenko to a cheapish deal, I still think that their overall depth for this season might be better, but I think it's very hard to sell that they're better in the long term because of this deal and just, you know, this whole outcome of process. Especially because, I mean, maybe this will change. The Sens love to use first round picks on fourth round talents. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't really see a world that makes it better. For for Sobrongo, by the way, like our, our model had him as kind of a vaguely all right prospect coming out of the draft. One of his closest comparables was Pissick, a couple of other bus bus, but like, you know, maybe Pissick's there's some hope there, but as he's progressed, as meta a near zero chance of becoming an NHL player at this point. So I wouldn't expect a ton from that. And then yeah, Kubelik's basically just a generic throw in. I don't know. It's 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 sad because I like the trade. And more than anything, I like the mentality of the trade. And I think this could scare people into not making trades like it in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um and you know, it does hurt that it's a seventh overall pick that they gave up. If it was like the 16th, you could probably look as the first as equals, but it's obviously not quite the same now. And who knows what will happen? You know, we've seen crazier things than you know, like obviously the Stutzla, the pick that ended up being Tim Stutzla, who would have thought that would have been top three? But I mean, I don't think that's something you should be betting on. Um, but yeah, with and then on the other side of things, you know, the wings get to bring it. Apparently, they only wanted to sign him to four years. They didn't want to sign him to eight, which the more and more Steve Eiserman does stuff, I really question what the hell he's actually thinking uh, because they have no problem just tossing five years to JT Comfer at 5.1, you know, a ton of money to Andrew Kopp and stuff like this, but you only want to go four years with a 25-year-old Alex Dabrinkit who's like clearly willing to sign with you at a, a cheaper rate than anywhere else. Doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Especially given the way to bring it produced last year with like a relative down year, like this is this is the time to try and get him on an eight year deal. Yeah, because if and if it, you try to sign that UFA contract in four years, it's probably going to be a horrible contract. Yeah, and it sounds like it was Detroit side of things that didn't want to go longer, not to bring it. So, um, I will say this: crazy. yeah, this trade. Uh, how do you view Detroit now? Because uh, I do think that this is going to make things a lot more interesting in the East. Only obviously one player can only change things so much, but the fact that it's literally going from one team to the other who are competing against each other, uh, I'm definitely a little more worried about Detroit than I was a week ago. Yeah, marginally. So the division's still so good. Like I wouldn't even put them at a coin flip to make the playoffs yet. No. And like, I was talking with someone today about this. It's just like, you're going to have Toronto up there. Tampa looks like they're going to take a step back, but they've still got so much. They still have so much room to fall from that it would be a shocker if they missed the playoffs. Florida feels like they're going to be right around there. You know, maybe they're probably not a cup team, but they're probably not like missing playoff bad either. They're probably going to be in the middle, and I wouldn't be shocked if they finished third in the division or whatever. Boston, it all depends how much of a step you want to take back. But honestly, like, I think Boston's going to be fine in the regular season. I don't think they're in a four team, right? Exactly. And like, you know, we saw what they did without some of their high end talent last year, that they, they do have a good system in place. And, and again, I I think, you know, their errors are going to show when you get to the playoffs and whatnot, but as a, 
a team just in the regular season. I think they'll be in the mix for the top three spot. And then you have Buffalo, who's looking to get better. They had a good year last year. Ottawa is looking to take a natural step back, even if they traded to break it. Detroit's trying to get better. And let's be honest, the Habs aren't, you know, they're they're not good. They're going to be eighth uh, probably in the division. But for an eighth place team, they are much better than the rest of the eighth place teams in the league. Exactly. They're the the thinnest kid at that camp. They're an elite eighth place team in the division. Exactly. So, yeah, I I agree. But um, I, I think... Detroit's success next year will definitely depend on if they can get any development from Lucas Raymond, Berggren, and then on the back end as well. Can Cider take another step? Uh, can anyone else that they have as a prospect, whether that be Marco Casper or, um, you know, Simon Edmondson or someone come in and be very, very good? Because they, they need that high-end talent coming from somewhere. Yeah, the thing is, too, when you look at their roster, they need, like, multiple high-end pieces to hit. Mm-hmm. I, I for sure to be a really good. I think if they had one really get to high end talent, I think it'd be enough to put them in that playoff race. But yeah, because like if someone goes to like Tage Thompson level, let's say that's probably enough to because that's what Buffalo had last year. Yep. It would probably be enough to put them within the race, but I don't know if it put them. They're not going to be a contender yet or anything like that. No. And like, not funny enough, I guess. Running Edmondson through our our comparables right now, his, his closest comp is Petrangelo and Cider. Actually, of all people, is on there. But like, yeah. So even say you get that kind of outcome from Edmondson, you get a nice little jump. They could definitely be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the most be... likely one to jump by a significant margin. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't sound like Marco Casper is even going to start with the team, from what I understand. But yeah, and I bet you he works his way on, but. Yeah, and it's just, it's hard to ask a 19-year-old kid to come up and be the savior of your team. Yeah, especially, like, Casper's wasn't... He was a ninth overall screen. pick, right? Like, Yeah, like, it wasn't like he was a, a top three, like, super high-ceiling pick. I mean, he has a high enough ceiling. He's still top ten pick and everything, but it's not like, you know, a ninth overall pick taking a couple of years to get used to the NHL. is pretty normal. Yeah, exactly. So uh, two other signings to touch on really quick. Uh, Keandre Miller signs two years, 3.872, 7.74 bridge deal because uh, New York needed to bridge him. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to get good value and then have to pay for it in two years. This is a pretty standard bridge contract, eh? Yep. Yeah, I like it very for, rough. Love it for Keandre Miller's side, to be honest. Yeah, especially because the league itself really likes him. Mm-hmm. By the sounds of it, so I mean, I don't think he'll ever probably get paid. Loves him to Which the point, of like, yeah, like again, good for him. And I don't think yeah. he's a bad he's player a by player, any means. Yeah. But like, people talk about him as if he's like the next number one defenseman. It's like, well, the dude's already twenty three, and like, he's good, but he's he's not like elite by any I- means. I remember when I did the, I just got bored and made a top 100 players last summer. I got asked, where's Keandre Miller multiple times coming off the 20 point season. Yeah. Like that is crazy to me. 20 point age, 22 seasons. Like, God, I don't know. Maybe eventually, but relax people. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he'd be, I mean, he probably is now top 100 defenseman, but like, it's not like he's super high up on that list. Even. Yeah, exactly. He's not a top pairing guy. 
No, I'd say he's like a three, probably is where I put. So in the yeah. 65 to 95 range. Yeah, nice little piece to have and everything. Just not the, not the yeah. Yeah. The, the narrative's just been stranger on him. But again, good for him. And again, two year deal. You know, if he does make it the steps that people expect him to, you could probably cash in on like an eight by seven or whatever in in two years from now. I would think so. He's got good defensive metrics too and point totals. So it's an easy sell. Yep. Uh, and then the other deal I want to touch on real quick, Alex Newhook, four years, $2.9 million cap at 11.6 million total. Um, still not sold on the acquisition cost, but I really like this deal for the Montreal Canadiens. The trade itself was terrible. The contract is amazing. Like, even if he is what he is right now and doesn't get any better, which, you know, could be, but it's also possible. He's 22. He might still get better. This is still very, very good value. Yep. Yeah, it's a nice little, nice little contract. They obviously believe he's going to get significantly better. And someone pointed out on Twitter to me that they feel like the sentiment around it was uh, the, the trade, not the contract. The trade uh, for Newhook was very similar to the Dvorak trade. Uh, a couple years ago, which I think was a really good point of like, they made the, if people don't remember, that was right when the Cockney Emmy offer sheet happened. They took the first and just flipped it for Dvorak. And I remember our reaction was exactly the same thing of like, why the hell are you trading a first for Dvorak right now? Like A, he's probably not worth a first, but B, he's definitely not worth a first on your team because you're going backwards. And sure enough, they go backwards. The good thing, at least for the new hook deal is, Montreal will probably want to be good at some point on this four-year deal. Probably not this year, maybe not even next, but by the last two years of this deal, they are probably going to be looking to be on the upward trajectory or trajectory. Sorry, not trajectory. Um, yeah, I would think that time makes sense. So that's at least a little better than the, the Dvorak trade, but uh, yeah, no, absolutely great deal. Um, again, for new hook, you know, you got four years now to kind of rebuild your value, you know, uh, I'm surprised he, he went this long in term, but it walks him, I think, to UFA or one, maybe one year RFA away from UFA. Yeah. Um, so, again, it'll be the classic. If he does break out, he'll be one year away from UFA and he can kind of control what he wants to do from there. So, yeah. Fun fact we have Dvorak as one of Newhook's closest comparables through this yep. age. That feels about accurate. Yeah. Okay. 2C is what I'd say Dvorak ended up being. Like, yeah, that, that yeah, feels about right. Fine middle six guy. Yep, Nothing exactly. Crazy, but, so. yeah, nice enough piece. All right. Well, we did uh, 10 minutes on that. Let's get to our top 20 list because these are always uh, a lot of fun. They're going to take some time. Uh, I do. I'm going to post both our past two seasons of what we did in top 20, but I'm just going to go over our top 20 list from last year. Uh, I won't do two years ago. So last year I had honorable mentions, Couturier, Barzell, Zabanajed, Hurdle, Tavares. You had honorable mentions, Zabanajed, Tavares, Sorelli, Duchesne, Norris. Uh, top 20, I had Elias Lindholm, Sam Reinhart, Pedersen, Robert Thomas, Sebastian Ajo, Erickson Eck, Hughes, uh, O'Reilly, Pavelski, Hints, And then in the top 10, I had Eichel, Stamkos, Barkov, Crosby, Point, Bergeron, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, Matthews, McDavid. Uh, you head for your top 20. JT Miller, Thomas Hurdle, Couturier, Lindholm, Hints. Uh, 15 was Hughes, then Thomas, Eichel, Ajo, Pedersen, O'Reilly uh, was, and O'Reilly was 10th, sorry. And then ninth was Stamkos, eight point. Seven Crosby, six Barkov, 
five Bergeron, four Dreisaitl, three McKinnon, two Matthews, one McDavid. So on to this year. Let's see how much the list has changed. Um, I, funny enough, still have a couple names. Uh, one name stayed in, two actually names stay in my honorable mention. I'll give you my four honorable mentions. Two I grouped together, and that is Malkin and Barzell. Both guys that I think, when healthy, are still around that top 20 area but they really haven't played enough games over the past two, three years for me to comfortably put them in the top 20 anywhere. That is absolutely fair. I had Barzell as an honorable mention as well. And then Malik and I just kind of, I just left off. I mean, if you told me he ends up being super dominant again at some point, I would believe you. If you told me the health struggles get the best of them, I would also believe you. So, I just kind of left him as like, I don't really know what to do with that. Yep. I, I totally think that's fair. Uh, and then two other guys I have my honorable mentions. I think this is a little bit of projection just based on their age, but it's Shifley and Tavares. Shifley, I had in my top 20 originally, and then his his defensive impacts were just so bad. I was like, ah, I'm going to bump him down, especially because I told you a guy I forgot earlier. So I bumped Shifley off the list, but Shifley and Tavares are right there. I think there is an argument for both these guys, again, to be somewhere in the top 20. And honestly, anyone from like 16 to 22 on the list, I really feel is pretty interchangeable. Um, But these guys just missed out for me. Yeah, I had Shifley at 19. I'm with you. I had 17 guys where I was like, yeah, I think I want all 17 of these on the list. And then it's just like, I don't know. You could probably name 20 dudes who could all be in the next kind of tier. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and that's all for my honorable mentions. Do you have any, any other honorable mentions? A couple that you didn't bring up. Mika Zibanejad, um, power play merchant, basically is why I kept him off. Still an effective enough player, but Mm -hmm. um, not enough five on five impact for me. And then I didn't really know what to do with this one, but I think he was ascending to somebody that could easily be on the tail end of this list. And he's young, so I'm going to give him more credit on the health side than Malkin is Josh Norris. Yeah, I I thought about putting Norris there. And again, he was just, he literally missed all of last season. And funny enough that you had him as an honorable mention last year and I didn't. And then obviously he missed all year. Um, I I think he could be right there as well on on that doorstep. I I think that's a a good one. I actually had Savannah Jed 17th. Um, absolutely a power play merchant, but he's yeah. so damn good he's at it. He's amazing at it, yeah. It, exactly. Like he's like, I was looking at it and he's ranks where the hell he was way higher than I thought in any basically every like even goals above replacement metric over the past couple of years. He's been so high up on list. He was eighth in scoring for all centermen over the past two seasons. And that's included. I didn't include JT Miller as a center. I don't know if you have him on your list. I think of him as a wing, not a centerman. Yeah, I honestly just didn't even think about putting him on the list. Yeah, I I didn't really either, but he's I, – I just say it because over the past two years, him and Stamkos are fifth and sixth for centermen according to natural stat trick for points. And I should say right off the top for everyone listening, we both agree, agreed ahead of time that we will put Stamkos as a winger instead of a centerman. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, of the eligible centermen, Zabanajed ranks uh, – sixth uh in points over the past two years so definitely a power play merchant but again he's so damn good at it and that rangers offense especially this year really relied on him heavy more heavier than you would have thought um at times so i had him at 17 yeah i think that's a pretty defensible range for him i had shifley at 19 that was my 
uh, power play merchant with awful defensive metrics that I decided to throw on the list. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's get into the top two. Unless you had any more honorable mentions. No, that's all. That's what right. the, the main. Let's guys. get into the top twenty. Then, who did you have kicking off your list at twenty? At twenty, I had a guy. I'm pretty skeptical of, but I don't know. I just feel like there's a little more certainty with him than some of the other dudes is Elias Lindholm. Yeah, I left him off my list. Um, he was in that 23, 24 range, just missed honorable mentions as well. I did have him on my long list when I was making it. Um, it To me, it almost depends on if you want to take how many years of data you take. Because last year was a down year for him, obviously. Two years ago was a super high year. But you also yep. kind of go, well, both his line mates were absolutely elite, and they're better than him, and I know that. So That's the skepticism. Exactly. I, and I think this is the fair range for him, though, like the 18 to 25 kind of in the league. He's definitely a 1C, but it's it's lower end. Exactly. And, like, because he was... Obviously, even if he's the worst player on that line fairly comfortably, that line was so good that you can be the third worst player on that line. It's still very, very effective. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And again, like he was the perfect third player on that line. He he was the perfect guy to to fit in the middle. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's the right range for him. I left him just off. And again, some of that might just be projecting with age because a couple of the guys I have on the start of the list right at the bottom here are, well, at least one of them is just younger and I am projecting growth from. So uh, maybe that's a little unfair to him if we're looking just this second, but heading into the year. um, Yeah. I I think 20 to 25 is kind of the right range for him. Yeah, exactly. Just decent enough player. You're not going to win the cup or anything because of him, but still good. Yeah. My number 20 is a guy I wanted to have higher. And I think next year I'm going to have so much higher been beating the drum for a full year, but Given what we've seen so far, I just couldn't quite put him higher. It's Tim Stutzla. Okay, I like that. I've uh, I have Stuzzle seventeenth. Um, okay, yep, yeah. So again, same same kind of range. I again from from my list about sixteen to twenty four. I I kind of felt not like super passionate about 16 17 18 i all felt like i wanted them on the list somewhere i just wasn't sure where um but yeah like i again i completely i'm fully on the bandwagon that my prediction is this year we're doing this next year or like this time next year we're doing this again stutzel is going to be top 10 on both our lists maybe it's 10 but i think he's going to be in that range i just couldn't put him higher yet because he needs to actually take that jump yeah, you need to see that jump. I like the, you know, in like football when they're talking about who's the next like Trevor Lawrence or whatever, where all of a sudden we're going to talk about this guy who wasn't quite there in the MVP conversation. I think this is probably the most likely guy to take that jump in the entire league. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I totally agree. pick for that was Hughes too. So yep. <laughs> we're, we're doing pretty good on those. Yep, exactly. And like, again, Stutzel's mirroring all of what Hughes has done at the same, or, you know, when he was the same age. So, um, yeah. and he's he's going to get that bump as well, where, well, not even bump, I guess, but like, again, Ottawa's putting a, a good team around him. Obviously, the Brinka trade hurts, but he's going to be playing with like Batherson, Giroux. Um, you know, he won't play with Norris. He'll have Norris on the power play as well. Um, Brady Kachuk, obviously, is going to be a staple uh, of a line mate for him. So, and uh, the decor is going to be able to move him the puck more this year, I think, as well, which is going to help. Exactly. And like I sent this to you, um, 
a little while ago. Also, Tuchuk was the guy we talked about the MVP jump before. Uh, that we're, we're doing pretty good on those. <laughs> but uh, Stuzzle's like closest comparable scoring wise to this age are Dreisaitl, Ehlers, Tuchuk, Hughes, Pasternak, Tavares, Marner, McKinnon, Pedersen, Barkov, Aho, Kopitar, Gavrik. Like points on everything, score. but like his underlying numbers took a big jump. And just players who score like that at that age are almost universally heart trophy, get heart trophy votes at some point in their careers or damn close to it. Yep, absolutely. And like he's one of the few guys I can talk about, quote unquote, with the eye test. And so that's why I didn't put any emphasis on the eye test into this ranking, but just I can tell you as someone who's watched him. 65 plus times for both uh, three years now or whatever it is obvious watching him that the talent is there as well and the the dedication is maybe not the greatest way to put it but like the ethic is there where it's like it's not a guy who's just going to be coasting in front of the net or whatever those lazy narratives you want to call it are yeah exactly and like he's drafted really high yeah like he looks good like literally every input you could possibly name is strong i i'm very much with you that when we look back i very much believe that it's going to be nothing but up for him. Yep, exactly. Um, all right, so Shifley, Lindholm was 20 for you, Shifley 19. Uh, so I'll give you my 19. It was like, I, I was going to flip these two, but again, just it would have been purely off projection and nothing else with actual stats and even, you know, goals above replacement and everything. He's just a tad ahead, and that's still in Larkin right here. Oh, I forgot about Larkin. Yeah, he should probably be on this list over Lindholm. Yeah, and again, like I, I think it is kind of the range here, and and obviously, you know, people are going to be. How do you forget it? But this is a harder thing to do than than you would picture. Um, <laughs> it is every year. There's at least one guy where when we're do, going through our list, we start and we go, "Oh my god, how did I not have that guy on?" But yeah, it's, and it's way harder than it sounds like it should be. It, it really is. So, uh, but yeah, like Dylan Larkin again. Like I think it's uh, him and Slitzer are pretty close at what they are right now. Um, the difference is, and why I've always felt more comfortable where Ottawa is versus Detroit is Larkin is like eight years older than Stutzla uh, or seven or something like something like yeah. that. So um, very good player though. Again, like uh, might go down as one of the most infamous, like if only he had teammates at any point in his prime kind of guys at this point. Yeah. Like I remember some of our projection stuff when he was, I forget the exact age, but we'll say like 23 or something like that. He was like, off the charts good like one of the more likely guys to take a step and i'm sure part of it is that he just didn't put it together but i have to imagine playing his prime in detroit instead of literally anywhere else was was a factor as to why he didn't take a big step yeah for sure and just like the prime of detroit where it's like they were just convincing themselves they didn't need to rebuild so they were just being like the 22nd best team all year it's like oh this sucks. Not a good time to be stuck on the Red Wings. No, not at all. Um, all right, on to your 18 then. At 18, I had Erickson Eck. Okay, yep. There's another one that I kind of forgot about when doing the list and then logged on, saw our pass list and went, ah, shoot, that's one guy I kind of forgot, but um, decided to just keep him off. But uh, very reasonable pick. I had him at 15 last year. Uh, you had him off the list last year. I want to say that's actually a guy you forgot if I'm remembering correctly, but this again, feels like the correct range for him. Yeah, exactly. Like not the most inspiring pick or anything, but 
I mean, he's really, really good, especially defensively. And there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, exactly. He He's a hard one to judge because it's like, again, you can't really watch good defense or whatever, but every year, just about any model that models value has him pretty high up versus what, you know, a point system might have. Right. So. Exactly. And he's the best center on the Minnesota wild and always have good defensive numbers. So I feel like it's a viable enough output that the best center on a great defensive team is good at defense. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, at 18, I had Robert Thomas. Okay. I had Thomas 15. Yep. That's fair enough. Um, again, Thomas, there was a guy who was bouncing around up and down. Uh, I think for him, it kind of depends on, how much you're valuing uh, valuing underlying numbers versus finishing. Uh, he also is a little unlucky in terms of when it comes to raw point totals because he has been hurt a, li- a little bit over the past two years as well. Um, not like missing full seasons or anything like that, but when you compare to like, you know kind of the centers that are in the top 20, top 25 of scoring, he's like 15 games below a lot of those guys. Um, so that definitely sucks, but um, he's always up there in underlying numbers, you know, goals above replacement. He's uh uh, you know, ranks, I think he was top 30 among all forwards for the past two years. And if you cut that down to uh, 35th, and if you cut that down to centers, it's like 20, 21st or whatever. So, um, and again, just a pretty well-rounded player. Not that, you know, he's not amazing defensively, but he's not a liability either. And then very good offensively as well. And I think if he could just find a way to finish a little more often on some of those chances, he would be a guy that maybe even shoots up a couple of these lists as well. Yeah, he could be like slam dunk elite if he could shoot really, really well. Because, I mean, he's clearly a very good driver of on-ice shooting percentage, as is just via passing. Yep, exactly. And and maybe, you know, just with his passing, maybe it's not, you know, you can argue it's not exactly his fault that some of the stuff doesn't get finished as well, uh, which would be fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I like him too. He's fun. Yeah, he is. He, he is uh, just a, a fun player. That's a that's a very good way to put it, too. Yeah. Um, he was not on either of our lists last year, either. Um, honestly, a lot of some similar names, but there is, you know, a lot of uh, turnover in the in the bottom few here, which makes enough sense, I, I would say, I guess, as well. Yeah. And it's funny because he actually had a worse year, but he was still good because last year was his first like standout year. Yeah, actually, I like you had him 14th last year. Now that I'm seeing that. So you have one spot down there. And I have 17th. Okay. I don't know what I'm reading. I just completely missed that. But <laughs> okay. So same kind of general, general yeah. range, which again feels, feels about right. Yeah. Um, all right. 16. Who did you have? I had somebody who's also really uninspiring, but I mean, he kind of just keeps trucking along in really difficult minutes and doing well as Anze Kopitar. Yes, we've got a match. There we go. That this is, is a high up to have a match, too. Nice. Yes, this is an early match. And it only was, I had him 15, and then I bumped him down because of the guy I need to shoehorn in. So it works perfectly. Um, yes, Kopitar is the cutoff on my list of, like, guys where if you want to say Kopitar was, like, the 22nd best center, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Um Whereas everyone above, I feel absolutely needs to be on this list. But Kopitar was the leading candidate of like, I think he should be on this list. I'm just not yeah. going to feel as passionate about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, he's not flashy, but he eats up huge minutes and wins them. Yep. What more ex- can you really say? Exactly. And like, he doesn't like 
score a ton of points, but it's not like he doesn't put up points either. Like he was 22nd among all centermen in points this year. Uh, if you expand that out to two years, I believe he is, uh, he's 28th as well. So for a guy who takes unreal defensive minutes is playing on a solid team again, and you know, he's still got good scoring number. He's uh, one point behind Robert Thomas over the past two years. Now he does have 20 more games played, but yeah, exactly. Like if you ask any coach, if they would, what they would think of a center who's just going to play, you know, toughest minutes on your team, score at a 70 point pace, put up decent defensive results. They would, you know, it's like a coach's wet dream of a player. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm just verifying. I don't think either of us had Kopitar on our list last year because he had a bit of a down year last year. Two years ago, did we not have him on either? That can't be right. I'm going to have to just start uh, command effing here. Uh, you had him two years ago. You had him 17th, and I had him as an honorable mention. But okay. he was not on yeah, either of our list last year. I feel like he's just kind of cruised around the same sort of range. Mm-hmm. And LA taking a bit of a dip for a couple of years there, I think kind of made him go under the radar. Um, whereas now that they're kind of back in the limelight, you know, people are kind of paying attention again. Yeah. It's a lot easier to think about it when you can see him play in the playoffs. Cause yeah, his, his underlying numbers are fairly similar. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It really uh, has right. been ever since he stopped being like elite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he, he was, he took the step down from elite. That's kind of when the team took a step back and then, but unlike Doughty, who was god-awful for a couple of years and then bounced back, he was just very, very good yep. for like five years. Yeah, merely good. Yeah. Um, all right, so you had Robert Thomas as your 15, so your 15, or your 20 goes Lindholm, Shifley, Erickson, Act, Stutzla, Kopitar, Thomas. Uh, my 15 is a guy I forgot. He probably could be higher up this list if I got to put a little more thinking into it, but I forgot him, so I got him in at 15 just to have him in. That's Sebastian Ajo. That makes sense. I have Aho 14, so kind of mm-hmm. close enough. I really like Aho. It just it feels like I don't know. It feels like the whole like he just kind of feels like he should have a monster season at some point. He just kind of had it. Yeah, I feel like we had this similar conversation last year where it's like he's such a good player and it feels like he almost should be higher, but then it's like well, he's just, but there, there's nothing to suggest he actually should be higher, you know, like it yeah. feels like he should, but it's not like he reminds me of one of the highest floor guys on this list, though. Yeah. In terms of yeah. like, if you told me Savannah Jed, Thomas, even like Tim Stutzler took a step back and like, I don't think most of those guys would be bad, but like they're like the 35th best center for a year. But like, yeah, OK, I can see it. That being said, if you told me. Zabanajad, even Zabanajad with his power play merchant abilities, or especially Tim Stutzel, as we said, takes a jump in the top 10, even if for, for years. Yeah, I see that. It's like, Aho, it's like, I see him in that 12 to 20 range, just no matter what. Like, and our list kind of resemble that. You have him 14, I have him 15 this year. Last year, you had him 12, I had him 16. Two years ago, you had him 13, I had him 15. So he's been between 12 and 16 for three years in a row now for both of us. <laughs> yeah, just like, very consistently in there and then like i don't know like i said i just can't shake the feeling that he should be higher but i mean he hasn't had like an elite war season or an elite even an elite scoring season or anything like that like he's just kind of you know humming along perfectly Mm -hmm. good number one center and everything but 
he's another classic of like, I wonder if he switched what team he was on, if it would look a little different, just like, like Carolina is just a very dump and chase kind of team that wants to win every game three, two or whatever. It's like, if you put them in like a more open system, maybe that, uh, that massive season would come, but. Yeah, that'd be interesting to watch what he would look like. Cause, cause yeah, at the same time you could, you could argue Carolina either hurts or helps him because, you know, he doesn't, he obviously looks good. He is a number one center, very, very clearly. But he doesn't look like a god out there either. And sometimes the play driving numbers get really, really high up there. Maybe you go maybe in a different system, the play driving numbers fall off too. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's definitely fair. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one for sure. Um, all right, I will give you my 14 then, and then we'll be back even. This is a guy I did not even expect to have on this list, let alone this high. And I think you could probably bump him down a little bit, but every underlying number love this guy. And even like the raw scoring rates were up there. It's Nico Hishier. Forgot Hishier. Hishier should definitely be on this list. He is he ranked 15th among all forwards in goals above replacement this past year. Uh, again, yeah. if you remove wingers, he bumps up to like eight. Uh, over the past two years, he is ranked, uh, where was he? 24th among all forwards. Again, removing wingers, it gets up to like 12th uh, for just centermen. Um, just centermen scoring last year, he ranked 16th. That's not where I would have guessed. Uh, and over the past couple of years, he's been 29th. Um, so obviously, you know, last year was a, a breakout as it was for all of New Jersey, really. Um, but Hishier, we, we've talked about him for a number of years of just being that really solid, quiet, uh, you know, everyone considered him a disappointing first overall pick, but like he has turned into a very, very good player and a key reason uh, that Devils team took such a massive step this year. Yeah, I don't think, at least nationally, he got enough credit for being a part of the Devils taking a huge step there because Hughes got all the credit, which makes sense. I mean, Hughes was the best player on the team. He will be higher on this list as a result, but like, Hishay was really, really, really good, and I would feel comfortable putting him reasonably high on this list because, again, like, first overall pick, this isn't his first year with good play-driving numbers or anything. First year with like elite play driving numbers, I guess, but it's it's easy to buy the ascent of him. Yep, absolutely. Um, this is the first time he's been on our list in the three years that I've counted this. Um, and I wondered if this was the guy that you maybe left off. I feel very confident that the next, the remaining 13 guys, we all have the same, just probably in a different order. Yeah, I would probably at least bump his Shea above. I'd probably actually have him above. Thomas maybe behind Aho at at 15. Yeah, 14 well, 15 also. with Aho and Hishier was kind of where I was debating slotting, slotting Aho. I I really wanted to bump Lindholm off the list and I couldn't <laughs> find someone to do that with. So there we go. Goodbye yeah. Elias Lindholm. <laughs> Lindholm slips to the honorable mention. Uh I can I'll, I'll put uh, Hishier on your list. I'll fix that and I'll uh let me just do that right now. I'll bump Thomas down. I'll bump everyone down one. Haste. And then Hishie is now on your 15th slot. Okay. There yep. we go. That's perfect. I still don't see Hishie going up a ton, to be fair. But like, I no, think- me either. He feels like another high floor, low ceiling guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he can cement himself maybe up to like 10 or something, but. Yeah, I Braden Point is somebody everybody has higher, but like, I don't think Braden Point's got an MVP in him at any point. So, like, I could see Hishi maybe reaching that tier at best. Yep, that's that's a, yeah, exactly. Very good spot to put him, I think. Um, All right, on to 13. I will go with mine. And that is, I think there's a bit of a cutoff here in terms of. 13th was the lowest I was willing to put this guy. Um, I, I felt like from 11 to 14 or 13-ish were kind of pretty interchangeable. Uh, and I have Rupe Hints at 13. I knew we were going to match the second you started talking there. Nice. So another match. There's, there's two to start the uh, in the first seven picks. That's not bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tried... I didn't use playoff data for this. Uh, Obviously, I think if you did that, he would even be, you could argue he could be 11th, maybe even 10th, uh, somewhere around there. But I think just seeing what he's done the regular season, 13th is the perfect kind of area for him. Funny enough, I actually had him 11th on my list last year. You had him 16th. Um, So he's dropping on my list last year. I was super high on him last offseason, apparently. Um, But again, this 11 to 13 range feels the exact right spot. Um, the one thing I think for me that maybe holds him back just a little bit is I like he plays with Jason Robertson. Like he's got really, really good line mates. And again, you need to be a good player to play with good line mates. So it's not like we're absolutely crippling him for this, but it just draws him back a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, he's not as good as Robertson and that's fairly clear. That's what all the models say and whatnot. That's cool. But like, you know, still a great prospect or a good, great player. Yep, exactly. So, um, yeah, and it was a huge part of that Dallas run to the conference finals this year as well. Um, okay, who did you have at 12? At 12, things started to get... I entered into a new tier of players, but it was somewhat difficult. I have a guy whose permanent impacts, if he plays next year, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if it's like top five, but it's clear that uh, he kind of can't hang on a permanent basis like he used to be able to. Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, I have him up a little bit. I have him at nine, um, but I definitely agree. Um, I was trying to figure out how much to slide him up just or up or down because of the injuries. Um, and this is definitely in the same range uh, where, yeah, like I, I think, as you said, if you told me for 25, any 25 game stretch, he's a top five, top three centerman in the league. But yep, that makes sense. And I bet you, even if he does play, which we're not even sure if he will, but even if he does play, he'll probably finish like 35th in most like war metrics or whatever, because it's almost a guarantee. He's only going to play like 55, 60 games. Yeah. Yeah. And they're starting to scale his minutes back in those games. It does play, but like on a per minute basis, if you told me as third best looking RAPM chart at five on five next year, I'd be like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so Bergeron slips a little bit. He was five for both of us last year. I had him six and you had him 10 the year before. Um, and again, this, the slip is just purely age related. I hope he, I mean, as someone who's a fan of an Atlantic team, I don't hope he comes back, but just in, of a hockey fan, I, I really do hope he comes back. Yeah, exactly. One of the, the truly lovable Boston Bruins, which is a difficult thing to be. Yes. One of the few, um, I could see him maybe pulling like a Justin Williams and signing with the team in like November. Yeah, that if- might be good for him to be honest. I say get him some rest if they're off to a hot start again, like he'll he jump on for the, the last half of the season. I could see something like that happening. Um, I could also see him just 
you know, announcer. He's been through so much in his career and he's done it all as well, right? So Yeah. It's weird he hasn't retired yet if he's gonna do it, but you know. Yeah, it, it could just be a thing of who knows, maybe by August, if he's still hurting, he goes, screw this. Maybe by August, if he feels better, he goes, I do want one more kick of the can. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like we're saying here, like he has the skills to do it. And it's it's really hard to walk away from something that you're good enough to do when you've spent your whole life trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. At 12 for me is probably the most exciting player on this list up to this point. And honestly, I would argue the most exciting player for the next few picks that I even have. And that's Tage Thompson. Okay. I have him 10. Yep. I I think that's a reasonable range. Again, I, um, I was kind of debating bumping him up or down. Uh, the most, one of the most electric players I've seen in a long time, uh, you know, just his pure goal scoring ability is made Buffalo single-handedly fun to watch. Um, and you know, like 47 goals, 47 assists in the past, uh, last year, like, that kind of says it all right there. He ranked eighth among centermen in uh, points last year. Uh, and if you expand it out to two years, I believe he falls down. He's 12th over two years. So um, I, I guess the reason I don't have him a few more spots higher is I just kind of want to see it for maybe one more year. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Um, um, he, yeah, that's the more data, especially because of the weird trajectory he took. Like he's definitely real and we know that now. Um, but in relation to like the top 10 best centers in the league, I do get having a little bit of skepticism still. Yeah, exactly. Like we're nitpicking here where it's like the next two guys on my list are guys that everyone's considered top 10 or better centers for like three years now. So um yeah, like that's why I just I, I didn't have him quite as high, but uh, I, I think this is the right still range. Suck, yeah, yes, <laughs> exactly. He's the most electrifying player for a reason, and it's because it is all offense for both sides all the time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, so he can also I, just in terms of like doing things no one else can, like he would be very high on this list. Yeah, literally, like he is because of this freak stature. Yeah, like if it's just like a watchability ranking, like he is top 10 in the league, I think now. Easily. Or around that. Like, you know, like it, it's just he has been, he is, which is just insane to think about where he was a couple of years ago to now. It's just incredible. Yeah. He's been awesome to watch. Sucks he's yeah. a saber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, hey, like it, the hockey is better when the sabers are good. So hopefully they can yeah. put uh, more talent around him still. Yeah. All the Atlantic rivalries are fun. So it is actually a good thing. Yeah. All right. So he was your 10. I have Bergeron nine, which means we both have 10 picks left, which is a perfect time to take a quick break uh, because we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at the at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 replaces key health products in one simple scoop. AG1 combines nine health products working together as one, replacing your multivitamin, multimineral, pre and probiotics, immunity support, and more. That means AG1 does more for your body and saves you time, money, and confusion compared to taking multiple unique products. Simply follow the link in our show description and get started today day all right so 10 picks left but we are on the 11th overall for both of our lists chase i'll let you go first who did you have at 11 at 11 i had a guy i think a lot of people have higher especially as it relates to tage thompson specifically but uh brayden point yes another match 
There we go. I, uh, I, uh, yep, I have them 11 as well. And I was going to say, even just looking at our list last year, uh, I had 0.6, you had him eight. Uh, so he falls on both of our lists. Two years ago, I had him five, you had him six. Uh, so definitely a bit of a downward trajectory for Braden Point. And some of that, I think, is injuries. You know, that injury suffered last yeah. year in the playoffs. I don't know if he started perfectly, but um, yeah, you, you let everyone know why you had him 11. Yeah, I mean, he's fantastic. He's been as best we can isolate an elite driver of on ice goals for the, uh, the entire time he's been on the Tampa Bay lightning, essentially like very, very good player, obviously. And then thing that holds him back is I just don't think he's driving the bus there. Like, I mean, I shouldn't say that he's obviously one of the reasons Tampa Bay is good, but you know, I don't think he would be the best player on his team kind of thing at any point. That's the 10 and maybe not like a five. Yeah, for sure. And like even, um, you know, I, I will say he probably had one of the quietest 95 point seasons I've seen yeah. in a while. Like he had 51 goals last year. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I would have never guessed he scored 50. It's funny how quickly 50 goals became like not crazy. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really curious to see what if it continues, because, yeah, like if scoring stays that rate, like it will be to the point where it's like, yeah, he scored 50. So what? Like he was one of eight guys, whereas like. Three years ago, we were just dying to see someone hit 50. Yeah, exactly. It's almost close to like back when the Art Ross was being won by 87 point season or whatever. Like that was not that long ago. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. It's a very uh, great player. And and again, he's another guy where it's like he is getting to the point where I don't he's not going to get better or anything. But like if you told me he had a season where he gets back up to like seventh overall, I'd be like, yeah, that, that seems fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. He's just, again, like a, a high floor guy, pretty comfortably in this range. I, it would take it would take multiple down years for me to be like, he's not a great, uh, great yeah. center. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, all right, my 10, I had Barkov. Okay. Yeah, Barkov is what I kind of struggled with. I had him eight, but He's also been on a bit of a downward trajectory. I think he was hurt in the playoffs. I don't know yeah. if that ever came out. He didn't look right, though. I agree. I don't think. And again, like I didn't really consider too much uh, playoffs when I was doing this, um, which probably helps him more than hurts him, because I agree. Like the fact that they made a finals run and, and Barkov looked pretty pedestrian for a lot of it. I mean, he he did a great job of shutting uh both Carolina and Toronto's offenses down on a defensive style of thing, but he definitely did not pop offensively like he usually does. Um, and even his underlying numbers haven't been what you think of maybe as Barkov recently. Like he ranked 30th in goals above replacement this year, which was one below Patrice Bergeron. Um, but again, he Bergeron played 78 games. Uh, Barkov played 68. Funny enough, Barkov still played a hundred more minutes than him, but um I don't know. Like he still very, very, very talented player, but I think it's definitely fair to cool off where like even we had him, you know, high on our list a couple years ago. Obviously he was the most underrated player for how long. Um, I think it's fair to say with his injury injuries and just, you know, say lack of performance or like lack of points or anything like that, but just the step back he kind of took. This feels like the right spot. You know, last year you had him at six, I had him at eight. Uh, so it makes sense that we both go back two spots this year. Two years ago, you had him five, I had him 10. So, 
Yeah, and I think that makes sense as he kind of ages too, like we've seen, you know, forwards peak at age 25 on average. So the fact that he's slowly descending from 25 to 27, you know, kind of makes sense. And you can you can kind of stop selling yourself that there's more to come and just be like, yeah, this is comfortably what he is. Let's see. Yep, sure exactly. 90% of this for a while, but maybe just marginal declines from here, which is cool. Yep, you're going to get like a top 10 center for the next couple of years. And if you complain about that, you can go screw yourself. Exactly. He's uh, cheap too, isn't he? Relatively. Yeah. Like yes. He is on a very good contract, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. 10 million. I just looked at it. That's, that's perfect for what he is. Yep. Exactly. So uh, who did you have at nine? I had Bergeron nine. I had Eichel at nine. Okay. Item eight. So we're right in the same range. And again, yeah. Eichel, Eichel, Bergeron, Barkov, Point. And even to some extent, Thompson and Hints are kind of guys that I, I cycled around. I had Eichel definitely at the higher end of the list, but I wasn't exactly where to put him versus Bargov and Point. Yeah, Eichel's a weird one because like he actually hasn't put together like a monster underlying metric regular season yet. No, no, he but has not. Me and you, we've always believed in the talent, and uh, nothing was more vindicating than that playoff. Yes, this is the lone pick that I definitely use playoffs in. And I didn't even look at the numbers or anything. It's just you saw the talent come through. Um, And again, because, yeah, if you looked at any rate stat or anything like that over the past couple of years, or a rate stat he would do look uh, good at bulk stat, I I meant to say, he wouldn't show up on anything because he just unfortunately hasn't been healthy enough. And if you want to argue that, you know, health is an issue that's fair enough but you know last year he finally showed that he can be healthy still you know dragged that vegas team at times that was very injury laden um to the playoffs to first in their own in the division and the west um you know we saw what peak eichel looks like and even if the raw totals weren't um as eye-popping as some other guys on this list uh the, the talent is so clearly there exactly like you can win a cup with him as your one seat we know nope. that to be true. That is a and definite fact. <laughs> I'd even go a step farther and say you can win a cup with him as the best player on the team. That was yep. my read of the playoffs. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, top 10 for that. <laughs> there aren't that I, many people on earth that that can be true of. Absolutely. And unlike the past couple guys where it's like, you know, we talk about points and, and hints where it's like, oh, we don't really see him being top five guys. Eichel is another guy where it's like, yeah, if you told me he's top five for 20 games like he was in the playoffs or whatever absolutely believe it yeah a hundred percent what as opposed to like point who has been better at compiling statistics but like i don't think you're winning a cup with Braden point as your best player no like or if he is it's one of the cups where he was your best player but then kucherov was like two percent behind him vasilevsky was one percent behind that edmonton edmund was two percent behind that or whatever exactly so uh all right so that means we probably have the top seven players the same seven unless one we've both put someone completely random in there, but I feel pretty good that the names are going to be very similar. Uh, And I, I think the two names that we're going to have next are going to be the same. I just don't know which order. Who did you have seven? They might not be. This is partially an age related projection. I have said, I have said six. Okay. Who do you have six? Pedersen. I have him seven. So that's okay, the, yeah. the two names I thought we have them flipped, which is, which is fine. I, um, let's do Crosby first. Um, 
I was that this is another one rush. I almost put Crosby eight and Eichel ahead of him, but Crosby's base numbers have still been so good, which considering how mediocre that team has been for a couple years, I just couldn't drop him too far yet. Yeah, that's fair. I Patterson has been worse the past three years than Crosby, I think. I just put him there because of age and like the team thing is a good point too. Like Crosby played on a really good team for a very long time. Part of the reason was even when the depth sucked, he was the best player on earth, so it didn't matter. But like Crosby's not playing on the 2016 Penguins anymore. He is having to carry significant burden, and despite his age, he is making them relevant. Yep, ab- absolutely. Like, and you know, he's one of the guys who are just reliable. You know, he's gonna put in his games every year and might miss a few here or there, but it's not like he's had any massive injury concerns recently, like the concussions that he used to have or anything. Like it's just been, you know what you're going to get out of Crosby. And these days it's a guy who's going to put up 90 ish points probably, and be a dominant two way center. And, you know, just in that five to 10 range for any goals above replacement for centerman. Exactly. He is uh, exactly who we think he is. Truly elite still. Hopefully he can hang on to this for another couple of years because I love Sid. Yeah. Um, Elias Pettersson, another name where, uh, honestly, if you told me to do this blind without looking at any stats from, like, just what I had saw or thought about for the this year, Pettersson probably would have been about six slots lower for me. I did not realize how great of a season he has had. And honestly, how great of a two-year stretch he has had because Vancouver has been that mediocre. Yeah, it's easy to forget about him because the Canucks aren't a particularly relevant team. So, like, I assume this is true for you. I'm not going out of my way to tune into Canucks games. No, sir. Uh, but yeah, Pedersen is one of the only reasons to tune into Canucks games. He is really, really, really good on a really, really bad team. And, like, part of it, too, is he's always been a better goals above replacement guy than a points guy. I was pretty skeptical of that early on in his career. And as we've talked about that on this version of the podcast, our old rankings. And I think we were both right when we pointed out that he's not as good as his goals while replacement was back when he was like second in the league over a couple year stretch. But I mean, he is clearly an insanely effective player and a great on a shooting percentage driver. That's why Gar loves him so much. And yeah, I think he's done it for so long. I think six makes sense. Yep, exactly. Here's his you know goals of our replacement, 17th three for the past three years for all forwards. Uh, so it's about uh, eighth if you go to the center. Uh, for the past two years, he shoots up to 12th for goals of our replacement. Uh, for all forwards, again, shoots to about sixth if you go to just centerman. Uh, and then last year alone, he was fourth among all forwards. It goes to third if you take out Matthew Kachaku, who ranked second as the only winger there. Uh, for actual points, he is fifth among all centermen uh, in points last year with 102. <laughs> you want to talk about quiet seasons. Ryan Nugent Hopkins a- with a 104 point season <laughs> is the most insane thing I think of. That will be one of the most craziest trivia questions in the world. But yeah. um, Pedersen had a pretty quiet 102 as well. I won't. I will admit. Yes, he did. Especially for how much of it was that even strength. Yeah, exactly. And then. Going to two years, he is ranked 10th among all centermen in scoring, but JT Miller and Jonathan Huberdeau are ranked as centers for some reason on uh, natural stat trick. So he's actually eighth if you go to like just pure centermen. Yeah. And 
So, yeah, that kind of dichotomy makes sense. He actually got up there higher in the raw point totals than I thought. Him dropping 100 was pretty quiet. I, I don't think I would have guessed that. Yeah, again, it's just kind of like the Vancouver was so embarrassingly bad that uh, it just kind of went under, under everyone's radar, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's easy to forget about players, yeah, and one- especially because they weren't atrocious. They were just run-of-the-mill yeah, like they were just the worst place to be, where they're like the twenty-first best team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like they weren't even an interesting way, like kind of bad. They were just completely forgettable. Yeah, e- exactly. Um, yeah, so Pedersen kind of shoots back up our list, is what I would say. Over the uh, past couple of years, last year we both had him down on our list. You had him eleven, I had him eighteen. Uh, that seems a little low on my part, but up to six and seven. And then two years ago, he was 14th on your list and ninth on my list. So definitely bouncing all over the place. But uh, um, if he repeats what he did this season again, like I, I think he'll be right in that top six, top seven range as well. Yeah. Speaking of like the variance of guys, he is the opposite. We've talked about a lot of low variance guys. Um, He could, he could rise a couple, couple spots. Wouldn't shock me. Yeah, exactly. And just like if he don't, he, runs into some injuries or bad luck or whatever, just with how high of a shooting percentage he has, he could fall for a year as well. Exactly. He gets like Sidney Crosby's so good that Sidney Crosby got PDO'd one year and still put up a point per game season. Whereas if Pedersen gets PDO'd one year, he's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. All right. Into the top five. I am so confident we have the same five names now. It'll just be interesting. The order I think there could be a couple. I I know the top two will match for sure. I'm a little interested to see who you have three, four, five. You go first and give me your five here. This one might be a hot take. I have been lower on this player than um, everyone else for a little bit. Part of this is projection on one specific player and then somebody just doing something completely unprecedented every time the playoffs roll around. I have Nathan McKinnon five. Okay. Interesting. So I have McKinnon three still. I think um, McKinnon is the default three. Yes. And I didn't put much thought into it, to be honest. I think I wouldn't be surprised. Like if you use regular season stats, I, I do purely regular season, I should say, and just look at totals. I, I think there is a very fair argument. And honestly, like, any of these guys, I mean, obviously there's a clear one and I think there's still a clear two, but even if you want to like any of these top five guys could be the quote unquote best for a year. Um, we're at this point where all five of these guys are absolutely elite, elite players. Um, so putting him five is not a slight before anyone goes and gets upset. I'm yeah. just putting that out there right now. Um, I, I think it's fair. The, the reason I have them three still is because you want to talk about dragging some teams around. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Avalanche have a lot of talent, but that Avalanche team gets injured to shit every year. And it feels like every year McKinnon just does everything he can to drag them when he needs to, including when you watch that Seattle series uh, in the playoffs this year, the only reason they got to game seven was because it was McKinnon going, no, we're not going to lose game four or game six. Yeah. And he is just electric to watch. Like, he, I think he does more things that people can't do. Speaking of that, than like Austin Matthews, who 
probably won't be super shocked. I assume I have two. I assume um, it will be like a two or a lot of users. But like McKinnon, just the way he skates and like the power and all of that, like he can do a lot of things that most people can't do on an NHL ice surface. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he just, he is absolutely incredible. So, um, yeah, I, I think five is fair. I, I, re- I debated putting him down to four personally, um, but I just, because of the fact that, you know, I have watched him just solo carry a team multiple times now. Um, I, I just, I, I kept him at three, but I think if you are projecting, like if you told me he is fifth next year and the two guys I have behind him, I'm seeing the two guys you have just ahead of him are in that exact same spot next year, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, exactly. Do you have Hughes? Five? I have Hughes fifth, yeah. Yeah, so Hughes was the one I was like, like McKinnon is his last three years obviously way better than than Hughes. That was that was a bet on the ascension of Jack Hughes. Yep, exactly. And like honestly, I wasn't even sure if I was gonna have I thought Hughes at five might be a little high, but then I kept looking at everything I looked at. I was like, no, there's just there's no ignoring what he did this year. And even last year when he was healthy, he looked amazing for that back half of the season, too. Him last year, um his last year being elite helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I mean, now we've we've kind of seen it twice and He's doing it on. I mean, he was the best player on an elite team this year, and I guess McKinnon was too. But like Hughes, just I can see yes another step in a way. Like McKinnon is what he is. He doesn't need to take another step. You can win a Stanley Cup with Nathan McKinnon as your best player. Very, very obviously, that won't <laughs> not a controversial statement. But like Hughes is just so much younger that I put a little bit of a bet on on the upside. Yeah, and even Hughes, he doesn't have a Kale McCarr, you know. No. And but he say might what, get it. Yeah, like yeah, I really, I just think it might McCarr specifically, but exactly, he he has definitely, and like he has a great team. Don't get me wrong, but it's like yeah. even as a line mate, he doesn't have Mika Rantanen. No, you know? he does not. And not that we can played all of his minutes with Rantanen or anything like that, but like, um, yeah, like Hughes is just he's so talented and. Uh, it, it was just so obvious that as soon as he broke out, this devil's team was coming with him. And even there were signs of that last year, you know, we had him, I had him 14, you had him 15 last year. And both of us said in this podcast, it was the exact same stuff as Stutzla this year. It was, if there's a guy that shoots up into the top 10 this, this year, it is going to be Jack Hughes. And sure enough, both on our list, you know, he goes up from 14 to five and from 15 to four, right. As we predicted. Yeah, exactly. And just based on like agent curves and whatnot specifically for this year, this year is as good of a bet of any to see peak Jack Hughes. Yep. Like, and maybe, maybe if you want to kind of read into the team a little bit, maybe you say next year's the better bet because then Hughes and Nemec are all there to support him and whatnot or whatever. But like, yeah, this is about to be prime Jack Hughes and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so did you have Hughes four that I'm assuming? And then Dreisaitl 3? Yeah. Yeah. So I had Dreisaitl 4. I really debated putting him uh, third just because of how insane the raw point totals are. And, I mean, you want to talk about dragging teams in the playoffs as well. Like, what he's done in two years now in a row in the playoffs has just been so impressive where it's like his scoring doesn't drop off at all. And even last year when he was hurt and he managed to do it as well. Um, I kept him at four, but again, if you want to argue he's three and, and on any given week, he can easily be number one for a stretch as well. Um, I think four, three or four is the perfect spot for him though. Yeah. And like, 
it's tough to suss out because he plays with the other guy this is plausibly an argument for. Like, this gets used as a knock against him, but I don't think it's a knock because of how good he is. Leon Dreisaitl on an era just basis might be like a top three power play player of all time. Yeah, like literally. It was probably a knock on Dreisaitl when he only played with Connor McDavid. The dude's putting up 128 points playing a lot of his five on five minutes away from McDavid now. Yeah, exactly. Like he's on assuming he hits 14 points in 30 games in the COVID shortened season. He's on five straight 100 point seasons. Like he is just insane at driving yeah. goal differential at this point. Like there's and really nothing else to say. To your point about the power play, like, yeah, obviously Connor McDavid is a massive help on that, but. McDavid by himself isn't going to be able to do that either. It's the two of them and then obviously other weapons they have, but the two of them driving it together is what makes it so perfect. Yeah, exactly. And like his shooting threat is just essentially unprecedented. Like, Yeah, just from like where you can shoot from anywhere too. It is just incredible. Yeah. And then watching him do it last year on one leg too, like (laughs) in the playoffs, like, He's 50 points in his last 30 playoff games. I know people don't like points, but like I guarantee those underlying numbers are good too. Like he's just clearly insane at driving goal differentials. Yeah, exactly. When he's and he's done it for so long where it's like, even if you think points overrated, it's like, well, if you do it seven years in a row, at some point it becomes not luck and just a trend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and he even in his like RAPM goals for like it's just any metric you use to measure offense he's obviously amazing at and he's not great defensively which is fair but that's made up for the fact that again you might be looking at the fifth best power play threat in the history of the sport yeah exactly so um all right and then the top two i get this is for the third year running matthews mcdavid um the i i, I kind of wonder if you pulled people this year the interesting thing maybe is how many people would bump Matthews off of two? Probably more. Probably a lot would have. Yeah. Cause like, honestly, I thought it was going to be a little closer for me when I originally started doing it. And then I still looked and it's like, well, no, like even in a quote unquote down year for Matthews, all his underlying numbers are still amazing. And like, he still put up a ton of points. And I think like he had a down year goal scoring and he still put up like, 40 goals, I think. He hit 40. 40. Yeah. Yep. And, and he's he playing he, hurt. He's playing with yeah, a wrist break. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like he had a quote unquote down year and he still finished 11th in total scoring. He's fourth in total centerman scoring over the past two years. Uh, his goals above replacement are amazing. Um, he's behind McDavid, McKinnon, and Pedersen for centers uh, this year. And again, that's while playing hurt. Uh, over the past two years, he's only behind McDavid in goals above yeah. replacement and he's only three goals above replacement behind McDavid. In every 20 less games played or 15 less games played as well. Exactly. Like if everyone in the league plays their A game, Matthew's the second best player in the world. Bullet. Yeah, that's exactly. There's, I don't think there's a reasonable argument against that, to be honest. No, I I agree. Um, Yeah. Same with, yeah, you expanded out to three years. Matthew's is still second goals for replacement to only behind McDavid. So yeah, because um, he credibly won a heart trophy in McDavid's NHL. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think 
this will be a year where we see him bounce back as well, especially if that wrist is healthy. And I wouldn't be surprised if he pots 60 again this year. Yep. Like, yep. I'm sure it'll be the odds on favor for the, uh, what's it called? The rocket mm-hmm. as he should be. Yep. Absolutely. And then again, sorry. I mean, at least Edmonton fans got to hear us uh, dream over dry side a little bit. Uh, I always feel bad when we get to the top of this list. Cause almost always everyone knows who like the first place person is going to be. And I always yep. bring it up that like, I, I know the pain because Eric Carlson was number one on defenseman list for like six straight years. And every time they got to Carlson, it's like, well, what is there to say? He's absolutely elite. And that's that it's like, well, yeah, you're right. And that's exactly how I feel about McDavid. I mean, there's literally nothing you can say about Connor McDavid that is like new, you know, he's just, yeah, the there's best. no original takes left. No, absolutely not. I would like, and if they are original, it's probably wrong because the takes probably like he's actually the twelfth best centerman or whatever. Yeah, remember the his Braden point actually. <laughs> oh, shades of three summers ago when we. Oh my god! I will thank God awesome. the Oilers have won a couple rounds now because I could not deal with another year of yeah. Is X player actually better than McDavid's? Like stop, 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 yeah. stop. No, no, they're not. No, None of them are. No, it's that simple. They are just not. Even like the Matthews one was a little silly. Like that was the closest one you could get. And even that one, it's like, all right, guys, let's let's maybe just calm down a little bit yeah. here. Yeah, Matt. Like you could have made an argument if you wanted to be obtuse. And I think we actually did just kind of for the sake of it, because we thought it was interesting on this at one point. But I mean, it is McDavid. It's been McDavid, and it probably will be McDavid for another couple of years. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like, yes, Dreisaitl or Matthews or McKinnon or Hughes is in that category now, I think, of like, they could have a singular better year than McDavid at some point. Yep. But the fact that McDavid is going to be two in that year, and it's like that seven years in a row, is exactly why he is number one, because you just saw it with Matthews. Matthews by everyone's voting, technically had a better year in 2021-22 than Connor McDavid. Now, I would argue that is still even very close, but Matthews edged out, and I have no issue with that. Matthews' down year put him down to, like, eighth or whatever in scoring, whereas McDavid's down year was second, only behind Matthews, who had a career (laughs) season. Yeah, McDavid's McDavid's floor is MVP candidate. Yeah. Like he's just, he's almost, unless he gets hurt, he's almost a lock to be top three for the heart, you know? Yeah. It's just completely unhinged. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let me go over the list real quick. Uh, so I had honorable mention Shifley, Tavares, Barzell, Mar- Malkin. You had honorable mentions, Lynn Holmes, Zemanajad, Norris, Barzell, uh, 20. I had, st- I'll go 20 to 15 or four, 16 here. I had Stutzler, Larkin, Thomas, Zemanajad, Kopitar. You had Shifley, Erickson, X, Stutzler, Kopitar, Thomas, at 15, I had Aho, Hishier, Hintz, Thompson, Point. Uh, 15, you had Hishier, Aho, Hintz, Bergeron, Point. Uh, at 10, I had Barkov, you had Thompson. At 9, I had Bergeron, you had Eichel. At 8, I had Eichel, you had Barkov. Uh, 7, I had uh, Pedersen, you had Crosby. 6, I had Crosby, you had Pedersen. 5, I had Hughes, you had McKinnon. 4, I had Dreisaitl, you had Hughes. 3, I had McKinnon, you had Dreisaitl. And then 1 and 2, or 2, we both had Matthews, and 1, we both had McDavid. Um, That feels good. As we say it all all the time, I think, but um, 
you know, we don't want to get caught up in groupthink, and especially me and you, you know, obviously I don't think it's a, a secret that we're definitely more analytically leaning and we, we, we think alike. Um, so it will always be interesting to see if we're comparing against, you know, someone else who doesn't use analytics as heavily, but it's always a good feeling when we do these lists and especially the top 14 are the exact same names, not in the same order necessarily, but like if you, if you had someone six and I had someone not on my list who you had at six, one of us is definitely wrong. Yeah. That's a serious problem. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously once we always say, once you get to like the 17, 18, there's so much variance with those guys where it's like someone might've been off the list just because they were 25th and just barely didn't make it or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. It's just a, an understanding of the way skill is distributed in the NHL. Yep. Exactly. So, um, thank you everyone so much for listening. I, again, I hope everyone enjoys this as much as uh, we do. I can honestly say this is one of my favorite series to do of the year. Uh, just putting the list together. It's uh, always fun kind of off season content now that the off season is really in full swing here. Um, so we will be back next week with uh, probably top 20 wingers. We usually go center winger defense, then goalie. Um, so be, make sure to be, uh, tuned for that. I'll be posting our list as well as our previous list on Twitter. If you want to get a look at all of them fully, uh, and then tell us how wrong we are about uh, your favorite player and how much we hate your favorite team. Uh, so you can find that at NHL sends and stuff and I'll take chase as well. CM hockey 66, uh, find all of chase's work on his Substack, which you can find through his Twitter, find all my work at last word at hockey.com. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening and we'll talk to you all next week. 